Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. There's a song in our hearts and God puts a song in our hearts of gratitude. And today I want to have a look at that really. Why? Because you deserve... You, just nudge somebody and say speaking to you. You and I deserve a young death. We deserve, we deserve a, a, a tragic death. Every one of us, we deserve this. We deserve a tragic death occurring in our, in our lives when we're in the prime of our life, when we should be like living for life and we deserve death at that point. Every one of us. And it's not until you understand the Gospels that you understand that we are lucky beggars. That it's incredible that we didn't get that, but Jesus took it. At 33 years old, in the prime of life, he he took it, a tragic death, a horrendous death. Because that was the price of your sin. A tragic, horrendous, horrific death. God never forgives sins. God can't forgive sins. It's an impossibility. You're all saying, have I come to the right church? God cannot forgive sins. He can't because he's just. God has to punish sin. Has anybody sinned today? The wages of sin, Romans 3, 23. No, so Romans, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift, everyone say gift. The gift of God is eternal life through his son. So what has happened? If God can't, Forgive sins, he has to punish sin. What has happened? Why is why why can be forgiven? Why can be forgiven? Why can be forgiven? It's because of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So we've got to we've got to look at that. Jesus is God's super sub. Yeah. All the women went, what's one of them? And all the men went, I know exactly what you mean. Because it's football. When the, when when the team's not doing well, they wait for the super sub to come on. And Jesus is God's super sub. He's a substitute. Everyone says substitute. substitute. If you're all, as old as me, you remember the band The Who. And that immortalized song, Substitute. <laughs> substitute. <laughs> Lyrics are brilliant. <laughs> so I want to have a look today at a nasty piece of work in the Bible. And you know, when Jesus died, he died a criminal's death. He died instead of a criminal. He was accused of being a criminal. They found no basis for the accusations. Neither Pilate nor Herod, the two different rulers. And yet Jesus was crucified as a criminal amongst two criminals. So he departed this world as a crim- as in people's eyes as a criminal. And it's not true. How many of you would want to say, it's not true? If it was you on the cross. How many of you would want to say, no... No, it's not like that at all. I, I'm not a criminal. I'm, I'm, I'm the spotless son of God. For you teenagers, got nothing to do with... Anyway, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the, the, the lamb without blemish. So it's like... It, 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 we would want to justify ourselves, but Jesus kept his mouth shut. And he thought, that's the way you've chosen for me to go, Father. That's the way I'm going. He knew he was going to be raised up on a cross. He knew that. But to, be a, but to be condemned as a criminal 
and his mother's watching. How much do you think his mother's looking, thinking, he's not a criminal. He is the nicest guy you will ever, ever meet. He's more than a nice guy. He's the sinless son of God. I know. I was part of it. I gave birth to him. Can you imagine? I want you to get the picture because many of you don't know the gospel, so I want to I keep catching you up in the gospels. Some of you have heard the gospels and you're like now living next to the train tracks. If you've ever lived next to the train tracks, you don't hear the trains going past anymore. And when you live close to the gospel, sometimes you don't hear the power of the gospel anymore. It's just another story. Yeah, Jesus died on a cross, rose again three days later. And it means zilch. Nothing to you. And I want to stir that up in you today and just saying, we should be the most grateful people on earth. So it says this in Luke chapter 23. Pilate called together the chief priests. The ru- these are the same people that, uh, th- these are the people, sorry, that interviewed and uh, condemned Jesus. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. And neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city. Insurrection is a riot. It caused a riot. And for murder. He was a murderer. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify! For the third time, He spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insisted, insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. That's what tends to happen in this world. Their shouts prevail. You try to share the gospel, but their shouts prevail and you think why bother and I want you to bother because throughout throughout the shouting you know people that make a loud noise they're as empty as a bin with a stone in it you you chuck a stone into a bin it makes a lot of noise you throw the gospel into a crowd it makes a lot of noise but you know what the gospel is the power of God going into their world so we must never shrink back but the crowds shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand, a weak man. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. The one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. You know, people will always give you what you want, generally speaking. This world will always go for their kind of champion. And their kind of champion was a terrorist and a murderer. He wasn't a nice guy. And he was called Jesus. Did you know that? He was called Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, the son of his father. And then you've got Jesus, the son of the father. Two Jesuses on trial. This world will always go for the one who says, I'll make it happen. We're not going to have these Romans to rule over us. I'll make it happen. Follow me. We're going to flip and kill them. And Oh, well, if we've got somebody at last that's, got, that's, that's going to make some 
some changes in the world. And then you've got Jesus who healed the sick, drove out demons, put people that were out of their mind in peace of mind. He, he, rose, he raised the dead. He preached about another kingdom. But the problem was, when he's, he's teaching and he's preaching, wasn't liked by the religious authorities. It wasn't like, when you read John's Gospel, it's only really about the last week of Jesus' life. And you see Jesus coming into conflict, and that's where you hear him talking about them being the sons of the devil. I mean, he really goes for it. There's no, he doesn't pull any punches. Why? Because he's trying to win them. Yeah. We think in our, in our kind of society where everyone's got an opinion, well, I think I'm right, therefore I'm showing you now. Therefore, you know, you've got to believe what I'm telling you. Jesus wasn't sharing an opinion. He never shared an opinion. He declared truth. And he was absolutely spot on. And everybody else is wrong. And Jesus is right. Can you see? And so they're all thinking it's just another opinion. No, it's not. But he's challenging the religious order of the day. Because they're the ones that hold sway over the people. And and, and all the people are crouching in fear because they're thinking, you can't displease the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the 72 most holy men of Israel. And they kept the law and they enforced the law, like Sharia law. Yes? And, you know, if somebody was caught in homosexual, uh, homosexual relations, they would kill them. So, so if everyone was caught in adultery, they would kill them. You, you, so people feared the Pharisees, not Jesus. Jesus was the New Testament's equivalent of Clint Eastwood. Wow. Wow. And when he walked in to Nazareth, you could hear, you could hear the... Uh, the spurs on his boots, chink, chink. And, uh, and he wasn't afraid. And he spoke truth yeah. to these people. And he taught a new way. He taught about forgiveness. He taught about... Can I open my notes? I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> it's only three words, but I can't remember them. So he, he taught them how to forgive. He taught his disciples how to heal the sick. He taught his disciples, his followers, how to pray. Jesus never, ever addressed God as God. He only ever addressed him as Father. You see it really plain in John chapter 17, one of the last recorded prayers of Jesus before he goes to the cross. And he calls him Holy Father. He calls him Heavenly Father. And it was always Father. It was only at the cross where Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus, totally identifying with humanity, addressed God as God and he's saying, God, I am now in a God-forsaken place. So darkness covered the land for three, three, uh, for three hours. He said, I thirst. There was desire, but no fulfillment of desire. And, and so, and he was God-forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And while Jesus was on the cross... He experienced hell on the cross. Hell is an actual place, but he experienced it on the cross. There will be desire in hell. And he said, I thirst. Hell is not a party. People go, oh, I want to go to hell because it's going to be full of drug dealers and parties and all that. No, it's not. It's going to be full of fire and sulfur, so it's going to be a hot place. But because you get a new body, most people don't know this, you get a new body, an eternal body, to live in eternity forever. That body will be tormented constantly and consistently in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. I have to tell you this because unless you understand some things, you'll never be grateful. Yeah. I only have to... Who's ever pulled a pie out of the oven or something like that? And you just touch that top thing with your hand. And ow! 
Yeah, anyone done that? I have not, but I've watched Shelley do it a million times. And so, and that's just, that's like, that's insignificant in comparison to an eternity. Can you see? Desire unfulfilled. Who's ever been hungry? Who's ever been thirsty? Who's ever wanted exercise? You know, that desire that you feel like you're a caged animal. You want exercise. Who's ever wanted to make love? <laughs> we always get there in the end, don't we? Who's ever wanted that desire? Who's ever not been able to fulfill that desire and been frustrated? Who's ever been a bad-tempered man? <laughs> I've never been. I'm just, I'm just saying, just in case you have. Desire unfulfilled. God give us godly desires. All them things that I've mentioned are good. Okay. So Jesus, he preached a new system, a new order of things. And he, and he commanded us not to worry. Anybody suffering from worry this morning? You see, we think getting drunk or taking drugs is, is sinful. Jesus said, I'll tell you what's really, really sinful if you worry. But we worry and we think, oh, I've got to worry because if I don't worry, well, who's going to worry? Somebody has to worry. No, it's absolutely sinful. Because worry is an absolute slight on God's character. He says, you care more about your planet and, your, and your, your animals than you do about me. Which is absolutely not true. We say, I've got to worry. Can you see how stupid worrying is? But I'm just saying, as we grade sin and God doesn't, but as we do, we think, no, that's right, because I'm showing that I'm a responsible person. No, you're showing you're, you're an immature person. Because maturity teaches you how to overcome worry whilst taking responsibility. And that's pressure. That's absolute pressure. But that's handling pressure. You stick around in global, we'll train you how to do that. Why? Because the Bible's full of it. That's where we get our wisdom from. It's not from Dave and Shelley trying to be clever. It's, it, we, we get it from the scriptures. And Jesus taught his disciples how not to worry. And the big one, you know, the forgiveness one is massive. And, and the Pharisees knew very little about forgiveness. They knew about judgment. You've done that, you're going to be punished. God has to punish sin. But you see, God's revelation is progressive. And God had to, through the law, show us how perfect he is and how imperfect we are. You know, you're a mug if you try and keep the Ten Commandments. Oh, we can keep them out with less. You know, most men in this room have never committed adultery, let's just say. I'm giving you benefit of doubt, whoever you are, right? But you see, how many of us have committed adultery in our heads? See, the law says don't commit adultery, so I've kept the law. I've never committed adultery. And so have most men in this place. Since I've been married, I've never committed adultery. That's fantastic. That is, that is a great testimony to God. But Jesus goes even further than that and he says, but have you thought about it? And I just I'll just get a glass of water, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I know some of you are looking and saying, well, I think that's disgusting. Well, I'm not right impressed myself, with myself. But that's the truth. Yeah. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> We've got to see the truth. Yeah. We've got to see the truth. The truth, once we see it, once we get it, it's the, it's the knowing of it that sets you free. It's not knowing a Lord at Bible. The Lord at Bible doesn't set you free. No, that's memory. It's not knowing. It's knowing. Yeah. Experiencing the truth. That's what sets you free. Well, we're not getting very far today, are we? Are we children? We're all we're still here, aren't we? So, so, this world can't understand why we get happy about Jesus. And they're just like, oh, it's all that God stuff. And have you ever noticed they all come with a kind of swagger? Oh, it's all, oh, I don't believe in all that God stuff. Oh, and, then, and then they mock you and they mock you. 
And, and you know something? They are fools. And you think, ooh, that's a nasty word to use to people. Fools, that'll really hurt them. If I call my friends and my family fools. Psalm 14 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And Jesus said, if you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. See, that's the kind of F word Jesus hates. When you call somebody a fool, that word has lost its meaning. But when you call somebody a fool, that means you've said, you are so dim, you are completely and utterly shut out from God's, God's goodness and God's grace because you are spiritually dumb and thick. And because of that, you can't find salvation. Can you see what we're saying? Yeah. And yet the world, dumb, thick, stupid, willful, try to put us down. And we live under it. Why do you live under it? And it's not that we... See, I'm not against the world because God so loved the world. I love the world. But you know the world... Has anyone ever experienced nastiness from the world? Has anyone been in the world and been the one giving the nastiness? <laughs> so, so I don't want to be an hypocrite. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has opened my eyes. I'm no longer a fool. I'm blessed. And that blessed means I'm open now for God's goodness to come into my life. And not just my life, but my kids' lives. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Anyone experience that in their friends and family circles? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Throughout the world, the cross stands above everything. That at the cross, we see the wisdom of God and we see the power of God. The wisdom of God to save every single human being. Because not all of us have got GCSEs and A-levels and, and degrees that we're, we're clever enough to understand. Not all, all of us can run a marathon, if that's what God wanted us to do. Not all of us can fight a fight with an army, if that's what God required of us. So we had to choose something that every single human being can do. Believe. Another word for believe? Trust. We learned from the kid to trust. And so we trust. You sat on chairs, you didn't test it, you just sat down. And you're just thinking, I hope it holds the weight. Yeah? And so there you go. We're trusting all the time. And God chose that and he said, if you'll just believe. So we're all at the same level. All we have to do is believe. But the enemy saws his word in and he says, it's a load of fairy tales. It's a load of rubbish. And they're just after your money, you know, at church. And he throws everything in like that. Your life's now going to shrink when you believe in Jesus. Oh, no more smoking happy cigarettes. No, no more getting drunk. Be careful with the shots. Everything in moderation. Boring life. You're going to have a grey life. You used to paint the town red. Now you're going to paint it beige. It's, it, it, and he lies and he lies and he lies and he lies. And you wake up in the morning with no hangover and you think, oh, this is what it feels like. You wake up after a party and instead of going headlong into it, I mean, some of us are still learning, but instead of going headlong into it, you wake up the day after and you're thinking, I'm glad I said no five times to five extra drinks. Why? Because I woke up and I feel like I'm on it. Yeah. And instead of like going, oh, kids, you're on your eyes going, boom, boom, boom. And your stomach's going, arr, arr, buffering, constantly buffering. Arr, 
I'm not going to be sick. 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 Mom, mom, can we go? Dad, dad, can we go to the park? Can, can, can? It's like, shh. As Elvis sang. Make the world go away. Get it off, get it off my shoulders. Say the things you used to say. And make the world, make it go away. Thank you and good night. Okay, next one. Romans chapter 5. You see, just at the right time, God's super sub. You thought I'd forgot, didn't you? I go down these rabbit runs. This is just entertainment value. I'm trying to bring some truth to us here. But it says, you see, at just the right time, when we, everyone say we, no superiority coming from the Apostle Paul, who was a, an intellectual giant, who was a scholar of scholars, who was a theologian above theologians, a philosopher of philosophers. He was amazing. He called all that, according to Sam Ross, as dog dirt. The other way, he said something more rude than that, but I, honestly, I've progressed. <laughs> and he called it all dog muck, compared to believing in Jesus. Simple belief, like a childlike belief. It's beautiful. And this is what he said. Instead of saying you, pointing at us, while we're still powerless, Christ died for you, it's like we, while we were still powerless, while we were still helpless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. That's what our, our forebears did in the First and Second World Wars. They died so that we could have freedom, yeah? I wonder what they'd think, what they'd make of what we've made of that freedom that they won for us. When they had trench foot, when they went hungry, when they were terrified, so frightened in the First World War that they perspired blood, that the capillaries at the surface of the, 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 the extremities began to just pop because fear was so intense because they knew us. They've watched the friends just put their head up and get shot down and the commander's going, get over there. I'm thinking, no, no, get over there. And they had to go. Young 17-year-old kids having to give their lives and then they see us. They see the guys on Spice. And they see us not bothering about nothing. Morality or anything like that. And they just think, I've given my life for that. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to get us to feel grateful. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. So, he says... When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, that's a great phrase, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still shooting, snorting cock, God died for us. While we're still drunk as skunks and sleeping around, God died for us. While we're so proud and looking down at our neighbours saying, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. Arrogant, arrogant people. Christ died for us. Jesus has seen us at our worst and he accepts us at our worst. So anything after that is a bonus. And we come to church, I can't believe I've sinned this week. I can. (laughs) But you know, the great thing is, is that God's seen you at your worst, you don't have to hide it. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they ran off. Because that's the first time they'd ever sinned. But you know, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And and, and the Bible talks about what we thought was to our glory. We're putting it ourselves around, I'm showing you, silver bag. 
putting ourselves around town, and it's to our glory. Oh, Dave Shaw, you can drink loads of beer. Oh, Dave Shaw, you can sleep around. Put your name there and put whatever sin your sin is. But, you know, it's like, wow, that's amazing, that's amazing. The Bible says, what was to our glory when you become a Christian is to your shame. And you realize, what have I done? What an idiot. What a fool. And then you're ashamed. And you're guilty. Where do we take that? To the one who saw us at our worst. Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is it any wonder you always, you usually see a smile on my face. It's the only day you never see a smile on my face is payday. Cry like a baby for some reason, I don't know. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, we, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, can you hear that phrase again? How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We're not just saved through Jesus' death. That pays the price for our, and the penalty for our sins. But we are saved now through his life. The fact he rose again three days later. He's alive and we, he keeps communicating that life through his Holy Spirit into our daily lives unless we put a roof over it. So I can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. That's a sign. Here's a sign that you've become a Christian is that you can be bothered. That you want it. That you're hungry for it. And it's not like a competition. It's something that's in your heart. Every single day you're like, come on, there's more. How much more? Are we getting anything this morning? Jesus is God's substitute. He died for us. We were all like Barabbas. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve that death. But Jesus died in our place. And Barabbas was the first one to ever experience it. Did you know that? He didn't become a believer. He didn't become a follower as far as we know. But he lived in the goodness of it. Yeah. He, he, got, he got set free. Have we got any photographs of the guys that I were mentioning earlier? I thought, look at this. Pueblo Escobar. I saw a, a documentary on him the other night. And uh, what a nasty piece of work. Made shed loads from selling cocaine and stuff like that. Heroin and, and things. And a nasty, nasty piece of work. Eventually, the police got him and shot him. If you live by the sword, Jesus said, you'll die by the sword. And that man tortured people. He was a nasty, nasty piece of work. And it was somebody like him that they swapped for our Jesus. It's incredible what this world... That's why you don't listen to this world. You listen to the, the scriptures. What God thinks about life. Not what they think about life, or you used to think about life. The longer I live, the less I'm bothered about what I think. I'm more interested in what God thinks, because his words bring life. Psalm 119 says, the entrance of your word gives light. And when you're confused about, or, or looking for wisdom in life, we've got to get back to God's word, because it gives light and gives wisdom. You're like, oh, that's, a, that's brilliant. That's a great principle to have. And employ. Have we got the other one? This is a more recent one. This is El Chapo. Again, a nasty, nasty piece of work. And you know, people loved him as a kind of saviour figure, just like Barabbas. They loved him, and he, he, he looked after, they said, he looked after the poor. He built hospitals on drug money. And, and here's the thing. The end 
doesn't justify the means. Just because he's built hospitals doesn't mean it's right that he goes and gets so many people hooked on drugs that they die horrendous deaths. That he lives a life of a superstar and builds a few hospitals and, and helps some of the poor in his, in his area. Oh, that's good. But you know what? The end doesn't, doesn't justify the means. Jesus Christ didn't do any of that. He just says the heart of poverty is in people's hearts. The heart of inequality is in people's hearts. The problem with human nature, the heart of the problem of human nature is the problem of the human heart, said G.K. Chesterton, the great Catholic writer. So, so it's the heart. Jesus went for the heart and he knew if he could change people's hearts, then we could have a new society. And Jesus knew our hearts were chained by our sins. The poison of sin is selfishness. Who, who craves to get their own way? Anybody? Even as a believer, I crave to get my own way sometimes. And I have to pull that down. I have to, I have to, I have to overcome myself. You know, they said about George Best, the great footballer, he could beat anybody except himself. Jesus Christ gives us the ability and the power to, to, to beat ourselves, our propensities to get our own way. Just got a few more scriptures and then we're out of here. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. You know, the Gospels are clear about how we find salvation and eternal life. Salvation simply means salvaging your life and restoring it. Like the Zeebrugge ferry that, that you know, in, in, was it in the early 90s when that capsized? They, they, they dragged it into a port and it was, it was a mess. Uh, the salt water got in, everything, and it needed a refurb. And that's what God does. I've just refurbed an house. I love refurb. I love renewing stuff. And you know, the new, the new is far better than the old. And salvation is where Jesus gets hold of your life with all its faults and all the mistakes that we've made. And somehow in the white heat of his holiness, says, I can purify that. I can do something with that. And your life becomes different. And it's, it's, it's uh, restored. Where there was anger, there's peace. Where there was hate, there's love. Where there was a kind of bad self-image, now you're like, wow, made in the image of God. God's got a purpose for my life. God's love has taught me how to love myself. Not in a, a, a kind of egocentric way, but in a way that just says, if I don't love myself, how can I be a, a picture of the future for my kids? If I don't have a good self-image, yeah? Jesus died, let me just be clear. He didn't die just so that you could have a good self-image. Jesus isn't American. Sorry for all the Americans here. I do love Americans. Jesus died to save you from your sins. And it's your sin that drags you to hell. And he cuts off the power of sin. And it's almost like, if you can imagine, two magnets. If there's a magnet in hell, it's attracted to the sin in every individual's heart. And it's pulling you backwards and downwards. And when Jesus forgives you your sin, there's like a magnet in heaven. And he deposits his Holy Spirit inside of you. And that magnet in heaven pulls us upwards and onwards to heaven. Can you see the picture? Yeah. That's a great theological truth that I've just... Anyway, there you go, it's for free. little picture language. Listen to this. Peter and John had just healed a guy who was crippled. They just healed him in the name of Jesus. And now they're brought before the rulers of the Sanhedrin, the same guys who had Jesus put to death. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the key, 
They were filled with all this spirit. He said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are now being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, they're not backing off. They're full of intimidation all around them, but they're in top gear. They're going, boom, we're going to go out in a blaze of glory here. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. We're not being insensitive to other religions when we say that. I'm believing God's word. That's what God's word says. There's no other name except the name of Jesus. So I'm believing that. I'm not trying to put anybody else down. I'm not trying to be politically correct or incorrect. I'm just believing God's word. Let's not shy away from declaring Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. We're not saying it arrogantly, but we're just saying they can't all be right. Imagine coming in from Malaga into Manchester Airport. You've had a great holiday and, and the guy's on, on speaking to the watchtower and he's saying, we're coming in, we're coming in. 30,000 feet, we're coming down, we're coming down. And which landing strip do you want us to go on? What, which, is a, which lane do you want us in? And the guy in the watchtower goes, oh, there's loads of lanes, take your pick. Could you imagine? There's many ways, just, just take your pick. No, 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 there has to be a way in. Can you imagine politically correct people saying, well, I, I think that you're ignoring lane three. You know, that lane has been ignored so many times, it's unbelievable. In fact, we have a protest outside for lane three. Can you see how stupid this world is sometimes? And it's all opinions, opinions, opinions. No, God has spoken. And we're not used to that. We're used to having an opinion on what anybody says. But God is a king and God, God declares. He doesn't ask opinions. He declares. And whatever he says is absolutely true. We're not used to that. We're used to flawed politicians. And so it's like, and even flawed preachers and, and church leaders. So I understand that. But at some stage, we have to declare that this word is God's word. That the Bible is God's word. It's a revelation of his thinking about life. And the great thing is we get to put it into practice to test it out. And when it begins to work, how obvious is it that forgiveness always trumps unforgiveness? It's obvious. The only thing that stops us is our anger and vengefulness. We have to, we have to deal with that. It's a hard thing. Jesus broke the power at the cross that holds us back from that. Listen to this. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism, burial. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life, resurrection life. For we will have been united, for if we have been united with him in, his death, like, in, in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Let me just unpack that and then we're finished. We died with Christ. That means we're dead to the rhythms of this world. We're dead to the rhythms of this world. When you get baptized and you know, we've got about half a dozen guys, getting fellas getting baptized in Filey, in the sea, because it's a manly thing to do. 
Uh, they're going to get baptised this Friday, Good Friday morning. And um, baptism means that we are dead to this world. And when we're baptised to the rhythms of this world, this world says you should do this, that and the other. If you're going to have a great life, we're dead to that. We're now taking our cue from God's word. But more than that, we're buried. And people miss this in the whole teaching of the Bible. We have been buried with Christ. That leaves our past in the tomb. When you get baptised, you're identifying with Jesus on the cross. We were with Christ being, uh, being crucified. And in baptism, you're identifying with that. You're dead to this world. And you're alive to Christ. You were buried with him. When he was in that tomb, you and I were buried in that tomb. So your past, with all its shame, with all its regrets, have been left in that tomb. And the power of your past to incriminate your life was left in that tomb. Can you see what a complete salvation God has thought up for us? He is the genius. And then we're raised to Christ. As you go under the waters of baptism, you are raised with Christ. That's empowered by an indestructible life to live an extraordinary life. And that's why Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Jesus is God's super sub. He died in your place. We deserved his death. He was innocent. We were guilty. But he died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, do you believe today? What's your faith like today? Let me re repeat that but using the language of, of the original Greek. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever goes on believing shall not perish, but shall go on having eternal life. It's called the present continuous tense, where it's not, it's not the faith we had yesterday that saves us today. The Apostle Paul says, The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. It's your, what's your faith like today? The most precious thing you have is not your haircut, it's not your shoes, it's not how smart you look, the house you live in, the car you drive. It's what is your faith like? That is number one importance in every life of ours. Jesus died on the cross, and we get that. We think, rightly so, that when Jesus died on the cross, he took all our sin. But I want to finish by saying this is my third time I'm finishing, but I'm coming into land. And I'm going to use, you know, that third runway. Double substitution. What we don't get, and it's hinted at in the, in the verse I've just read. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What does it mean by that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. That substitution, number one. So that in him, we might become or have the righteousness of God. When we believe, we touch Jesus. And he takes our sin. Even in a service like this, he will take your sin. It's, it, it will go. It will be cancelled out, deleted forever. But he does more than that. It's a double substitution. He now gives us his righteousness. So that when God looks at your life, he doesn't see Dave Shaw, he doesn't see you. He sees his son Jesus. We are now, the Bible says, clothed with Christ. 
and so now we're acceptable to God. The sacrifice has been given and it's been accepted. Now we become acceptable. Can you see how it works? And by faith we go on walking in this righteousness, making mistakes, even sinning, but coming back to the same Jesus saying, I've messed up, Jesus, it's all paid for. Come on, I'm championing, I'm championing you on. Work out why you fell into sin. Work it out so that you don't fall into the same trap again. The devil is a liar. He'll tempt you and he'll test you. And you've got to come. Who wants to change, but you're not changing fast enough? I want to change. I want, I want, to, I want to get better. I want to get more, more equipped and all that. And I just think, Dave, you're a flipping donkey. Who's ever called himself something like that? And you're not a donkey and I'm not. We are the righteousness of God. And we have to say, because whipping yourself doesn't help. You've just got to put it behind. Cancel it out. Delete it. And saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming forward. I'm coming upwards. And I'm coming onwards. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website, 